there's a few things that we ought to think about. You know, we're God's kids. We need to be growing in grace and knowledge. Uh, the Bible says Paul prayed that they might, the Colossians might walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, that they might be filled with all the knowledge of God. Paul prayed for the Philippians that their love would abound more and more, that their heart would grow, that their love for others would grow. You know, we all ought to be growing, even, though, even if your body's ceased from it and your body's aging in an obvious way, still growing in spirit. But we're going to talk in particular about the need for growing maturity in kids. Uh, it's a problem in our country. Sometimes it's a problem among us. We still want to act adolescent. And so let's talk about that tonight. Very helpful, I think, passage here. Let's begin in Luke chapter 2, verse 41. We'll begin in verse, actually, back up, back up, verse 40. Luke chapter 2, verse 40, and we're going to read all the way through verse 52. I will refer to, the, to, the, um, to what's happening there, not spend too much time, but our message is primarily from verse 52. Luke chapter 2, it says there, verse 40, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it, but they, supposing him to have been a, in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk, kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That's really the verse we're going to focus on. But I think some things are illustrated with the account that we see before that. Um, so here we, what do we have here? We're going to talk about this. I'm going to do a little illustration here. Um, they're going on, okay, kids, where are they going? We're going on a type of trip. What kind of trip are they going on? To Disneyland? Where are they going? Somebody talk to me. Going on a trip where? Huh? To the temple. Yeah, so they're north in Nazareth. They're going south to Jerusalem uh, to the temple for what holiday? Passover. It was a big holiday. So they take the trip. They take the family. There was probably a large group, perhaps extended family. They go down, they do the Passover, and they leave. Mom and dad and the crew, they're like, yeah, they're with all the kinsfolk and friends, you know, big old mob of family and everything, and they're going back home now. We're done. We did the Passover. That's great. And uh, saw some relatives there, and Uncle Eli, and cousin uh, whatever, and now yeah, we're going back. All right, so they go back home. They're going back. And yeah, Jesus is probably having fun with all the cousins and stuff and hanging out. And this, they just kind of, that happens to parents. You get in a big group, your kids are out, and they're probably fine with family, you know. And that's what it's like. And, and, uh, um, and so you're going back, and after, what, what was it say, about a day? They're like, wait, where is he? Where is he? I thought you had him. I thought you had him. I thought you, wait, have you seen Jesus? And so they couldn't find him. They realized he's not with them. So 
they sleep, and the next day they make their way back. And it, by the time they get back, it had been about three days. They get back to Jerusalem, and so they find Jesus at the temple. Here's a 12-year-old all by himself for three days. All right, how many of you guys have been 12 or under, been all by yourself for three days? All by yourself. I mean, I should say without parents for three days besides junior camp. All right, you were, okay. Grant, when? <laughs> Maybe spending the night at your uncle, or I mean, grandma, grandpa's or something? Susie was watching you? Yeah, okay. All right. That still has some family. Jesus didn't have, what we can tell, any family with him. All right? He was by himself in that sense. We don't know. I mean, where did he stay at? Where did he sleep at? Probably the temple. Maybe the high priest was like, hey, kid, come over here. i got a little spot for you. <laughs> He's got a spot for the Son of God. Yeah. Well, anyways, all right, so here's the point. He was by himself for three days. Um, and when they showed up at the temple... Again, there's so many things that I'm not going to get into. There's so many interesting moments in this, in this incident. But the point is, he's handling himself fine. And um, he's talking, and he's talking, and he's asking questions, and they're amazed at his understanding of the doctors and the Bible scholars and the temple workers. And then they go up to him, Son, we've been so sorrowful. Your father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And she said, Your father... She's referring to Joseph, the foster father. And he says, how is it that you sought me? Didn't you know I'd be about my father, capital F, my father's business? Didn't you know that I'm, I would be doing what my father wants me to do? And they're just like, what? They're trying to put this in the processor. How's this? And Mary kept all these things, pondered it in heart. Like, what are you talking about? And in hindsight, she realizes, wait, he's, he's already keenly aware of who he is. He's, he realizes his real father's God the Father. And that he's behaving himself here for these three days and tuned in to what the Heavenly Father is telling him to do. But the scripture ends this passage. We're saying Jesus increased. He went forward. He progressed in these four areas. And that's what we're going to speak about. Wisdom, intellectually, uh, stature, physically, in favor with God, spiritually, in favor with man, socially. There's an increase. Now, here's the point of this, this thing right here is that even Jesus experienced childhood maturity. Even Jesus experienced childhood increase. He developed year by year, birthday by birthday, there was a development. It wasn't that he was born, Jesus wasn't born like, you know, there was the Superman film, Superman in the 80s, I think there's a scene where he's like four-year-olds and he's holding up a car or something, you know, like that. And uh, Jesus wasn't born a superman. He is born, he's God in the flesh, but he's experiencing the development of being a human. That he experienced what it's like to be a two-year-old, a four-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old right here. All right? So he's, but he's maturing. Instead of like some of us, how many of you kids have something somewhere on the wall in the garage or somewhere in your house where it shows your height and it's marked? Raise your hands. Anybody have that? Anybody used to have that? I did. Yeah. You mark it. Okay, next year, look at that. And then you try to do it yourself, you'll be like, yeah. and you show your brother, see, I'm that tall. Your brother, like, no, get back over there. You're that tall. You know, your brother would do that. Well, you mark it on the wall, right? Or on the back of the, the wall there. There's actually, I think, still some 
marks at my parents' house from me and my brothers when we would do that. Uh, that's an increase in height, increase in weight, increase in age. But it's talking about Jesus increasing in another way, in a greater way. So part, listen, here's the deal. Part of, so part of Jesus' full human development was experiencing maturity of, of body and mind and behavior and social interaction and interaction with the Father. There's this growing part. So also part of human development is to grow up, okay? Uh, you can go ahead and bring charity here, babe, when you're ready. Uh, some people don't grow up. They get older. They have another birthday. They might even start getting gray hairs, but they're not really growing up, especially people in their late teens and 20s and 30s in this generation. They're not quite growing up, all right? Um, we could talk about generational, go, go back to the, the World War II generation, the baby boomer generation, World War II generation, my grandparents, baby boom generation, my parents. What am I? Gen something? Am I Gen X? Okay, then millennials is next, and I think there's sub-generations, Adam, something like that in between, I don't know. Why? Okay, so, but some people aren't growing up, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, we see the ball. Wait, let's move this. We are really happy with Charity growing up here. And so, ball, ball. Yeah. Get to the basketball. It's a basketball. It's a basketball. Shoot it. Shoot it. Yay. 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 She's like, I haven't seen a crowd that big. I got like six in my living room, but this is big. Do it again. Give her the ball. Get the ball. Get the ball. Shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Do it. Do it. Come on. Come on. Yay! Yay! See, I don't know what this is. She's been doing this a lot lately. She just. All right, do it again, do it again. Yay! She knows, man. I tell you what, she, let's let her shoot a little bit. When we go to a basketball game, get the ball, and she sees her brothers at a basketball game, she just like. She gets all excited about it. Sees them on the trampoline playing basketball. She gets excited about it. Yay! All right, let's do one more here. One more. Yeah, get it. And then the boys in our living room, my wife has been a very patient wife. Sometimes she lets them play basketball in our house. We got a little bit of a higher. Yay! All right, let's get her, babe. Yay! Good job. <laughs> Look at that. That's good. Now, don't throw a fit. You're going to ruin this thing. Let's get her have that. All right. So anyway, so she, she's, uh, what I wanted you to see there is, so, uh, okay. For one, she's got a different scale of expectations because right. she has Down syndrome for height, weight, mental, physical development. So we're, we're aware of that. The kids in here, we have a little more ahead, okay? But there's a development, okay? So we have a therapist that helps her on her movement, her um, her, you know, vocalizing her speech, eating, um, communicating. So she's learning sign language. There's probably 10 to 15 signs she knows. She can't say that many words audibly. She's starting to a little better. She bop ball. That was basketball. Um, but what we're happy about is like we're seeing an increase. We really, I mean, um, 
like, okay, so this might, like our granddaughter, um, uh, Bella is three weeks younger, but she can do all kinds of stuff, and that's expected. Well, Charity's just now taking a fork and purposely, purposely stabbing it into a grape and going like this. Of course, she's right here. Purposely doing that. Whereas before, it's just like, But you get a drink, and still sometimes you give her a drink. Oh, drink. She'll drink it, and she'll be like, okay, done with it. Don't want anything in front of me. She's a minimalist. She gets that from her mom, okay? So, <laughs> but now she's like, okay, I think I can hot this drink be here, not, okay? And then stab a fork without stabbing anybody yet. So, and that's a big deal for us. So we finally, oh, finally she's being able to, you know, feed herself. And so we're seeing, it, we're seeing development there with her. Now, She's blossoming, is what, we're, what I'm trying to tell you. Now, look, I want to see, let's talk about kids. I've got a lot to say here, and maybe we won't be able to say all of it. We want to see all these boys and girls naturally blossom. Not, you know, too early, but not, not at all or too late. You want to see them go and blossom. When it's time for you to be reading, you should be reading within this certain time. When it's time for you to start sweating in the garage or pushing a lawnmower let's see that we want to see these stages of increase if there's no increase there's a problem so let's talk about the problem right now in society which means people specifically all right so a lot of men i talked about this wednesday night a lot of men right now are staying buried in adolescent things still you get married they look like a man they sound like a man they are all the symptoms things of a man but they're still doing childhood things when they're married or you know, they're, it's one thing to play video games, um, you know, a couple hours a day when you're growing up, which we don't even really do that. But it's another thing to keep doing it when you're 25 and you're still playing hours a day video games or computer games or whatever. I, I say video games, my kids are like, it's not video games, it's computer games. And then I'll say computer games, it's not computer games, it's something else. So I don't know. But... But what I'm saying is men can stay buried in their adolescent activity and entertainment. They're finding out right now. This is on the news. You can find this. The military is discovering that our men, I'm picking on men, be, uh, are out, are, there's more men out of shape today that are between you know, age 18 and 30 that are trying to go to the military than there were 50 years ago going in for the military. So that, I don't know the exact statistic, but say... Six out of ten men, or let's just say probably seven out of ten are ready for it, whereas maybe it was like nine out of ten it just before. I don't know. That's not the exact stat, but it's like that. You just they're like, they're not physically tough enough. They're not, they don't have a lot of endurance. And mentally tough enough. And that's an aspect, too, to stay at something mentally. And so we're seeing a problem in this. Uh, we're seeing a problem in men. And I'm hearing this. I'm brought, gathering from things I found. Uh, employees, employers, managers, they're finding out people are, are, are not keeping kids or late teenagers and girls and guys. I've talked to Chick-fil-A managers and owners. They, they, it's such a turnaround, more than ever. They get the job. Oh, this is too hard, you know, and they quit. Quick. They're like, oh, we've got to train somebody else again. And, and so we're seeing that they don't have endurance to stay at something. Um, uh, or they'll not, they get a job really, really, really late in life, you know. And you're going, why aren't you getting a job yet? And so, and, and I know I understand that parents have, that a lot of that's at the parents' discretion, but sometimes they're getting a job late, 
keeping it less time or they're living longer with parents. And sometimes I understand there's a scenario where somebody needs to live with their parents. They might be doing it because they're actively helping them or something. But, but there's this thing where people are not growing up. Guys and girls are not growing up. Girls still get on their little, they're acting like 17-year-olds or 15-year-olds having their little chat on a social media. It's like, grow up. You're 25, 30 years old. You don't need to talk like you're still 15 to your friend on social media. Grow up. And so um, sometimes we're finding that kids are well, people are well-skilled, young adults are well-skilled in Facebook, but not face-to-face. Skilled in doing virtual reality, but not doing reality. Virtual reality is such a, it's almost like, that's not what it is. Virtual, virtually not. You know, you can put on those goggles, it's virtual reality. And by the way, that's probably fun. That's probably fun. But it's not reality. And so we need to teach our kids to live with reality. So all of this makes for a weak person, a weak employee, a weak, becoming a weak husband, a weak dad. It all makes for a weaker nation. And makes us, it, 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 it's fostering laziness. Whereas this example, what we see, the core, kind of the central truth is, Jesus' example teaches us that we need to foster an increase in maturity. And whatever kids you're dealing with, whether they're your own or somebody else's, foster some maturity. Foster an increase. If I'm spending three weeks with you, kid, I want to see you better in three weeks. If I'm teaching you for the next few weeks, I'm going to see you. I want you to make sure you learn more in the next three weeks. If, I'm, if you're my kid and I got you for 18 years, <laughs> well, this is going to be hard. I want to see you increase in that. We need to, as parents, foster it. We need to pray for it. I often pray these four things for my kids. The God help me to see them increase in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. And we'll define some of that. We need to strive for it ourselves also as God's kid. God, grow my heart. I'm glad I used to be this and that years ago with God, but grow my heart now again. Enlarge my heart for people. It seems to have gotten shrunk and cold. God, I used to uh, be uh, spirit, more spiritually in tune, but grow me more again. So even us adults need to grow. If you were to look in passages like 1 Samuel 2.26, Luke 1.80, and 1 Corinthians 13, you hear about Samuel grew on in wisdom and favor with God. It says of, of, of John the Baptist in Luke 1.80 that he grew and he was strong in spirit and was in the wilderness till the day of his appearing. And then you hear of Paul saying, I, I, when I became a man, I put away childish things. The point is men like Samuel, like John the Baptist, and like Paul, men that we know and admire as men were first boys and growing boys. Somebody said the first ingredient in making a man is start with a boy. So we'll talk about that. So let's look at the couple, let's look at these areas to increase in wisdom. I want to see my kids increase in wisdom, your kids, and we want to foster that. Increase in wisdom. Jesus, it says right there, the Bible says he increased in wisdom. That's intellectually. It's talking about both intellectual I would say it's talking about both academic and practical skills. He increased in wisdom. Again, the word here, you look at it, it doesn't just, it's not just merely a spiritual thing. It's academic and practical. If you learn how to do something, change a tire, you got a little bit of wisdom. You know, if you learn how to do some basic pre-algebra, you got a little bit of wisdom in, for whatever that's worth. Increase in wisdom. So a couple things I want to encourage all of us, the kids in here and us as parents is that 
If we're going to grow like Jesus, it's okay to be academically familiar with things. Be, be familiar with your math and, and try to do your best at it. You don't have to have AP classes for everything. That means advanced placement. But if you need to know a little bit about math and some pre-algebra and algebra and stuff and geometry, be, you, need to, you need to know some basic history. In fact, it's going to be, you need to make yourself know basic history because don't depend on the, our secular culture teaching us it. They're trying to hide it. You need to know some basic science. You need to know some basic uh, you know, literature and, and have some reading skills. Jesus increased in wisdom. If we're going to increase in wisdom, we need to do that as well. Always be reading something besides the comic. Always be reading something. Increase in wisdom means academic skills and practical skills. It's okay, boys, that your dad says, come here, I want to show you how to push the lawnmower. That's okay. Sometimes my boys are like, I want to do the lawnmower. Can I do the lawnmower, dad? It's almost like when they're between the age 8 and 13, they wanted to do the lawnmower. And then after that, it's like, I don't want to do the lawnmower. You do, you know? And so I would have like the thing where you, you pull the safety thing and then there's another bar and it's like Grant's like pushing the bar down here. And I'm above him helping him push it. You know, he wants to, he wants to learn how to push the lawnmower. So we'll try it, you know, get him started. Um, it's okay to, to learn those things. You're increasing in wisdom to learn how to fix stuff, to learn how to do a little bit of woodworking, saw something in half, not your, kid, not your mom's chair, but saw something in half, get a piece of wood. I mean, my dad would have stuff that my brother had... <laughs> I can tell you about this all day. My dad had mechanical stuff. We had a, one time my dad had a lawnmower. My brother Cliff would take apart stuff all the time. And so finally my dad spent five bucks and bought a used lawnmower. I'm like, here, have at it. And he took that whole thing apart. I don't know. He was young. He took that whole thing apart. And I don't know. He may have put it back together, but he loved it. Now that's all he does. He's working on cars, you know. And so he incre definitely increased there. Um, so learning how to fix stuff. This is one thing I do not public school has got a lot of problems. But when I was, the way they, my, and I had some bad experiences, but the overall, when I went to Taylor Junior High and Mesa High, the overall format wasn't bad. They constantly pushed for boys, do a shop class for girls, do home ec. Boys could go in home ec, but they get made fun of for it by the other guys. Girls could go into shop, but, you know, that was kind of weird. But they would try to, like, here's your skill, learn this, get some wisdom in your woodworking, your plastics, your welding, your engineering, get your skills in that shop class, and you girls get your skills in the home ec and some other things. And so they pushed it. That wasn't a bad thing. You want to increase in wisdom, you know? Learn how to make something myself. If, it, if I can't find it at Walmart, I know how to sew something myself, or my wife does, but um, things like that. That's not a bad thing to have that format. All right, increase in, in stature. Here's the next thing. So I want, okay, so I want your kids, your parents want this. I'm sure if they want what, what's happening with Jesus, they want to see you. You don't have to be like the best grades, okay? I'm going to speak for them. I, I'm pretty sure that's what they'd say. But they want to see you next year on your reading, a little better reading. They want to see you next year. Uh, how about maybe in the next two months when you're finishing up, most likely? Homeschoolers sometimes don't know what their schedule is, like ours. But usually people finish up in May. They want to see if you've gotten a little better in, in math and in your other. So you're increasing. And that the next time you mow the lawn, you do it better. All right? Okay. Okay, here we go. Number two, increase in stature. Now, that literally means height. Okay, so let's take what it actually is really saying for Jesus. It's saying he got taller the next year and the next year, and the next year. Now, what was his height at the end? Whatever was the average Jew was probably his height. 
Okay, he was not, it didn't tell us there's anything strikingly tall or strikingly small about him. But he increased in stature. Now let's say three things about stature. Uh, height, health, and hardiness. I can't control the height. I can't control your height. It's already pretty much fixed. There's some things you might can stunt a little bit, but it's usually pretty hard even to do that. That's already fixed. You're going to be as tall as God has mixed your genes to be, or short as that. So that's already fixed, but we can, we can develop, we can work with, you can't do much about the height of your stature, but you can do something about the health of your stature. So that if you're only going to be 5'7 or whatever, you're going to be 5'7. You can make sure I'm going to be the healthiest 5'7 I could possibly be. That's good. That's a good thing. You're in this body for only so long, boys, and learn to do some push-ups and stuff. Learn to do a few sit-ups and, you know, get yourself in shape. Learn to run around the block a few times and then run a mile. Then time yourself on it. You know, increase in the health of your stature. Um, our boys, they, the Cessalines and... Some families in our church have occasionally gone to the Fit for Service PE over there at Freestone, it's, and it's worked out good for us Tuesdays and Thursday afternoons. And, and uh, so they run like a mile afterwards. They have like these different classes and parent-led one. I'm actually teaching seven-year-olds right now. And so at the end of the PE, they all run around like four um, softball fields. What is it? How many, Jimmy? Two and a quarter for a mile for that big field? Okay two-and-a-quarter uh, rounds, uh, trips around it, laps is a mile, and they time it, and they're trying to get the kids to d just beat your next time. You know, if you were eight minutes, that you'll be seven, um, 750 the next time, and then the next time you'll be 730 and just increase and get better and better. And one of my boys came up to me like, Dad, no, I think he told his brother, I did, I did, I did 690. And one of the other brothers is laughing. I know, I know, Jimmy. And then Jimmy started laughing. Six ninety. You can't do six. That would be seven minutes and what, thirty seconds or something, you know? And so, but then he ran the other day. And he's like, I did a better time. Or no, it was Noah told me recently. I did a better time. I got eight something. What was it? Eight something? Huh? Nine thirty. Okay. Well, he's trying to get a better time. They always come up to me and tell me when they got a better time. I'm like, cool, good job, you know. Better than mine. I haven't done it yet, you know. So increase in health and the, the health of their stature, the hardiness of it. Um, Want to be, be able to, you know what's interesting? Somebody, one of you boys, teenage boys, read, I want somebody to read Daniel 1.4. One of you teenage guys, tell me. Raise your hand if you wanted to read Daniel 1.4. One of you. All right, Chris, read it out loud when you find it, just a moment. There's a passage here that talks about the ability for Daniel to be able to stand somewhere and uh, and to learn and so let's hear that Daniel 1 4 go ahead read what it says all right that's right so they were seeking for certain types of young people that had ability to, to be taught that had already some current ability, but the ability to be taught, and they had the ability to stand in the presence of people. And this is going to touch on social favor, but it's also physically, be able to stand, <laughs> you know? And so I want to see our kids, you, I know you want to see your kids increase in stature. That is, not just getting taller, but you're, 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 you're being healthy, you're staying healthy, and hearty. That means you got some strength to you. 
We need to learn to avoid intemperance in our foods, don't we? I'll tell you what, sometimes I've just, when I was your kids' age, I could eat, I would want to eat like a whole box of like something, anything hostess. The Susie Q's, those are disgusting. But I'm like, I love Susie Q's. I would eat them, and I'd be like, well, the next one's a little too much cream, so I'd just slop it out and throw it down. I'm like, I'm going to eat another Susie Q. Do they even make those? Too many people have died? <laughs> have you seen them, Rusty? I mean, they still make them. I love those, you know, or the, the ding-dongs, you know. The, I'd hide those in my underwear drawer. I'm like, about something, you know. That's my little, I could eat a bunch of those. And, but that wasn't good. It wasn't good, you know. And if I had the habit of doing that, even, this is what I realized too, even if I had the habit of doing it, and I'm like, I'm fine, it would catch up with you, right? You're like, oh, I can't eat like a box of those. I can't eat a whole thing of Chips Ahoy anymore, you know. It's not good. <laughs> Uh, that's part of having, that's part of maintaining a, your health, okay? And that's what we're talking about. Wanna, kids, you should be health aware. Health, aware of your own health, and we should for our own kids too. All right, so keep things in balance. Eat, sleep, exercise. Keep all that stuff in balance. All right, listen, let me tell you a quick funny story, and then we'll move to the next point. I remember there was this kid. I, this happened to, this is a pastor friend of mine. He says, he was telling us camp stories. He's like, man, I was a camp counselor one time. I took some juniors to camp. no teenagers, teenagers to camp, and he said, there was this one guy, and he said, uh, it was like, that night, he, this kid's like, he says, pastor, I got, my stomach is hurting so bad, so I feel like something's killing me, I'm just like, he thought like he had like a, something was stabbing, a pain in him, side. he's like, oh, it hurts so bad, and he's like, I didn't know what's happened with this kid, I didn't know what was going on. I thought his appendix is going to burst. This is terrible. He thought, I'm going to have to call the you know, ambulance or something or take him to the doctor. He's like, oh, I'm such pain, such pain. Oh, and all this. He's like, so what What did you, what'd you eat? Oh, I don't know. Not much. I just had what they had at the dining hall. But, but what did you drink? Oh, I drank some soda. He goes, oh, how much did you drink? Six cans. He's like, no wonder. You just need to burp or something else, you know? And he's just like, and so the kid, the kid, that's what happened. He just let it be. He had a really, 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 really bad stabbing stomach pain. It was his own fault. Six cans of soda. So don't do it, guys. Especially at camp. I don't know. Something happens when you get at camp, your metabolism's thrown off too. Anyways, all right, let's move to the next point. In favor with God. Want to see our kids increase in favor with God? So let's talk about this. This means spiritually. I'm going to go ahead and say what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean mere Bible knowledge in and of itself. Hey, I got the most verses memorized. I must be spiritual. Not necessarily. I've never missed a church service. I must be increasing in favor with God. Not necessarily. Increase in favor with God. For Jesus, it meant his awareness and connectiveness to the Father. It, for us, it translates to developing a personal relationship with God. Boys, girls, teenage guys, girls, your parents and I do all want to see you develop a personal relationship with God. Where you That's basically amounting to increase with favor with God. Connectiveness, developing a personal relationship with Him. Uh, so much we could say about that. I don't want <clears throat> to take too much time. Um, that means you pray voluntarily. When it's time for you to pray, you should want to pray, not be forced to pray. That means you pray on your own because you want to pray, because you want to increase in favor with God, following God, knowing God, seeking God, communicating God is your choice. 
Your parents are encouraging, but you want to do it. That means choosing right in temptations. That means be, you know, giving in the offering because you want to, choosing to tithe because you want to. That's part of your connectedness to God in a way. That means um, the, the Bible says this verse, okay, let's, let's think about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Here's Solomon, the dad. He's speaking to his son. Son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days, long life, and peace shall they add to thee. And he goes on in chapter 3, and then he says, Son, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. This is per first-person personal uh, language. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, you, you, son, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. What he's telling his son to do is you connect with God for you and you acknowledge him in all your ways. That means God's not just in my Sunday. He's in my every day and acknowledge him and he will direct your paths and you will increase in favor with God. That's what he's saying. Embrace every kid and teenager in here should want to at least memorize a verse like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 to say this is, what, this is the beginning of my connecting with God besides being saved. All right, it means these things. Now, um, I remember, and I'll give you another example and move to the next point. I remember a couple of, of my kids, I'll, you know, just um, my children, we... We probably don't do it enough, but we pray. usually pray with them before they went to bed, the first four, the next four, not as much with charity right now. But, um, but one of the things that I felt and experienced is like, okay, so you put the kids to bed, you know, um, hey, give a water, you know. It's like you had to do all kinds of things, be a massage therapist, be a counselor, you know, sort out life issues, answer deep intrinsic questions about science that they wondered about. Anyways, so I'd have to put these kids to bed and then, and, um, and then you know, I'd talk to them, pray with them. And usually, as soon as the kids could talk, we would have them pray a little bit. Okay, I'm going to pray, now you pray. And they would say something, you know, to pray before they went to bed. And, but what I'm trying to tell you is I would notice the nature of their prayer for, two of them are coming to mind, not that it wasn't true for the rest, but the nature of their prayer distinctly changed after they were saved. And um, I remember this particularly with Michael and with Johnny, uh, after they definitely made the salvation decision, it was like a little different praying with them. Not for me, I was like, I could hear just a, it was almost more natural. You know, the Bible says that when you're saved, he sent for the spirit of his son in your heart, crying, Abba, Father. It's like natural saying daddy to him. Distinctly with Michael, after he was saved, he saved at a family camp in New Mexico, I think around 11 or 12, something like that. He went there with his grandparents. And it was different when I prayed with him. I could feel like there's just a real natural connection. And I'm like, that's good. It's almost, I felt like, okay, he's, he's going. He's going. And then I'd get up sometimes in, in the morning when he was a teenager, late teens. I'd get up and I'd go about the house and I'd peek in. I'd see him reading his Bible on his own. I'd be so happy about that. And I would, this is what I would do. I'd, when I'd see that, I'd walk down. The, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't harass him about that. They knew that was good. But I'd go downstairs, I'm going downstairs, and I know he's still upstairs. I'm like, God, please connect with him. He's trying to seek you. Let, him be, let yourself be found. And I'd, I was happy to see that. And I see that some of my other kids, too, and I'm happy to see that. So increase in favor with God. So we want to see that happen. We want to foster that in our home and through the teaching here that, that it's good you know your academics. It's good you know that you're, you're physically strong. It's good, but are you connected with God? That's what we want to see. All right, and then increase in favor with God, increase in favor with man. Last of all, well, this is our last point. 
increase in favor with man. This means socially. So there's intellectual development, physical development, um, there's spiritual development, and last of all, for Jesus, it was, a, it was a type of social development. He increased in favor with man. There was affiliation with man. There was, at some point, some favor with man, but now it increasing. So that would have to mean something like he's becoming more acquainted with people. He's be, not just becoming more acquainted with people, he's pleasant with people. And they're like, hey, they don't mind having that 12-year-old kid running in front of their house. And so that's like with you all, kids and teens, and we want to have a certain level of this, Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 tells about that, that we want to be socially capable of dealing with people. In other words, let me say it to this way. This is saying that a child should be able to manage in-person relationships well, or at least be taught how to manage their in-person relationships well. And I notice I'm saying in-person relationships. A lot of kids and teens and adults, we have all these relationships and they're not in-person. And there's a certain artificialness to having online relationships, social media relationships. I'm not saying it shouldn't be done away with. There's a value. There's a value in it. It's just not as big as in-person. But, but this is Jesus was able to increase in favor. It's not talking about, you say, Pastor, I have tons of Facebook friends. My kid has a lot of Facebook friends and a lot of likes and a lot of followers. That doesn't mean he's really increasing favor with man. Just because a person has a lot of subscribers to something. I've seen people who have very social media, they're very savvy on social media and likes and followers and friends and uh, subscribes and all that. But, they're, but in person, they seem to be very introverted in person. And so my dad used to always try to get me, because I wasn't natural to this, and one of my boys is like this, is like, look me in the eye when you're talking to me. And part of it was because he couldn't hear me as well, you know. But he wanted me to look him in the eye, because I was like, yeah, what's this, dad? Uh -huh. yeah, look me in the eye. So that helped. That was a helpful thing, you know. Uh, shake my hand. When you shake somebody's hand, look him in the eye and squeeze it. This is a little harder. Who is it that keeps, oh, Jonathan, he keeps yeah. trying to squeeze my hand hard. He's like, yeah, pastor, gotcha, <laughs> you know. So, you know, those are little, little touches to being to socially connecting with somebody. Yeah, I got a little favor for you. I, I'm, you've got some favor with me for giving me a good handshake now. Yeah. As I get older, though, you know, if I get arthritis, <laughs> I'll tell you, all right? Okay, so the, all this stuff in the Bible is translating to actual actions and things, like, Look somebody in the eye. Talk to them in person. If you, can, if you ever have a real issue to talk to somebody about, do it in person before texting. You know, kids, I hope none of you kids ever, ever ask, you know, get engaged through a text. <laughs> ever! You marry me? That's a sure no, girls. Uh-uh. You know. <laughs> no, that hasn't happened on our, in our family, by the way. So it's been in-person stuff. It's good. All right. Um, in-person relationship skills, developing favor with men. You know what? This, you know, it might be, kids, this is cool. You know, in 10, 15 years when you go to get a job, it might be a golden skill to be able to actually look somebody in the face and talk to them for <laughs> customer service. How may I help you? You might get interviewed in a job and like, can you take somebody's order in person? And you'd be like, yeah, my parents love me. Really? You're hired. You're look, you guys are looking at me like, that's weird. 
that's getting to where people don't want to look at people in person. You know why? Because it's hard to click them out of the screen without just running away. See, we're used to dealing with people like this. I'm tired of that swipe. I'm tired of that swipe. What happens when you're in person with somebody? You have to run away. You know? But if they find somebody like, I know how to talk to somebody. I know how to talk to somebody when it's a little uncomfortable. That's good. I know how to talk to somebody when they're confronting me and getting mad at me and it's unfair. Jesus dealt with that. You know? I'm just saying these are little things that learning to, you're going to increase in favor with men if you can talk to somebody, if you can confront somebody, or be confronted and not fall apart. If you can work with people, that's a good skill, learning to work with people. Again, the, the, the Babylonians were like, we need some Israelites to be able to teach these guys. They already have skill, but we can teach them our language and put them right in the presence of Nebuchadnezzar, stand before the king. And they found some teenagers like that, Jewish teenagers, like, all right, we'll do it. We'll stand before the king, Nebuchadnezzar. Not only did they stand before the king, they stood before the king by their convictions, too. And that, that was good. And so um, the Bible says in Lamentations, let's look quickly. We, we mentioned this the other night, Lamentations 3.27, about the, it's good to have a little pressure on a man. Lamentations 3.27, and it says, it is, a, it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. That means it's good to have a little bit of pressure in your youth, you know? I, you know, I, I'll tell Jimmy, I, I try not, by the way, we try not to overload. You can overload kids. I want you to listen to me. You can overload kids. Give them too much and too much expectation. You know, you're going to do all the, all of, you know, you're going you're gonna to do the whole family's whatever, you know, uh, laundry and you're only 10. Uh, that might be a little bit much, you know, for, for the next two months. I don't know. I'm just, it's possible to do too much. I remember Johanna was very good at watching our kids, and I told Deb, like, let's not overkill that. Let's not take her for granted. She's a 10-year-old. She knows how to babysit a little bit. Let's not overkill that. And so we, we didn't overuse that. But at the same time, some of you kids in here, you're probably about ready to, you know, push a lawnmower or babysit or whatever. And you need to bear, look what it says, it's good for a young man that he bear the yoke. And as you put somebody, needs to put a little yoke of responsibility on you and, hey, handle this. You know, bear the yoke in the youth. All right. Let's, let's take, talk about this. In favor with man, that you can treat people fairly. Look in Proverbs 3. You'll develop favor with men if you learn how to treat people right. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. That's what Solomon said. And we're trying to wind this down here in a, in a few minutes. <clears throat> Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. So, listen, the, these, both of these verses go together in logic. Now, follow what it says. There's two character qualities. Uh, Solomon talks about being a merciful person and a truthful person. Truthful person communicates truth. Merciful person communicates some mercy and, and, and you're... And you're uh, benevolent with people, you're patient with people, and look what he says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Be that type of person. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of the heart. That means always remember to be these two qualities. Why? Here's why. Verse 4, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Do you know somebody who's always merciful but never truthful? It's not always helpful. 
Somebody that's always truthful, but they're not very merciful, they're hard, that's not very helpful. But if you find a person that has the balance of, I'm, I'm truthful and I'm merciful, people like that. People like that. And so the point I want to say is learn to treat people fairly. Learn to treat your siblings fairly, kids. Learn to treat um, uh, teenagers, others fairly. You'll find favor with God and man. All right, so um, my wife has got this little garden, and he's, she's, so, so what, what is it we have, babe? Radishes, tomatoes, carrots, mysterious things. We think, see, we have a compost, too, and we use this compost dirt, so now we have these volunteer things. We're like, what are you, a bell pepper? The other day, she pulled out something like, you think this is potatoes? And they're like, scratch it. I think it's potatoes. Put it back, you know. <laughs> but uh, So we had some volunteer stuff. But you know what? We're happy because we just see something grow. You know, just want to see some progress. You know, the teachers give out, I don't, do they call them progress reports? They talk, is that what they're calling them, Sarah, report cards? And so that's what the parent, the teacher, mainly wants to see. Hey, there's improvement. Yay. And um, that's what we want to see with our kids. That's what we want to see with... Um, with ourselves, again, in the Lord, growing as well. And so there's more we could talk about, but let's just, let's just pause right there. And I just wanted to, again, this is more of a, a thing to put, put it in our mind for us as parents to say, let's keep bringing them up. And you as kids, don't be upset about a little pressure that your parent put on, puts on you academically, socially, spiritually. They're trying to bring you up and see you increase just like Jesus did.